1: city rejoiced. The whole city started to rejoicing because they were glad when you decide to quit compromising with the world and accept the good news of Jesus Christ, the Lord, our Savior. We too come to the palace of the King clothed in robes of white and righteousness. We'll be clothed in those beautiful robes when a time comes, the royal righteousness. And we too come with rejoicing and joy inexpressible. I love that.
0: God created joy, and He desires for His children to experience it. That didn't start with Jesus' birth. God's been providing joy for those who trust in Him since the beginning of it all. As Pastor Dave will encourage us today, when we come to our God in repentance and accept His redeeming love, we can find deep joy as well. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Esther, chapter 8, as he continues his message, A New Dance.
1: We're to store up treasures in heaven so that way when we get there, they'll be there. We'll see them and we'll be rewarded. So now Esther is going to reveal her heart to the king. Let's look at chapter, uh, verse three. Now Esther spoke again to the king, fell down at his feet and implored him with tears to counteract the evil of Haman the Agagite and the scheme which he had devised against the Jews. As I said earlier, this law cannot be revoked. It cannot be revoked. Esther, no doubt, appreciated the king acting on behalf of her people and the gift of Haman's household, but that didn't solve the problem. The problem still remained. The Jews would be annihilated on a specific day, on a specific month, and a day in time. It was going to happen. No one could stop that decree. Esther's tears represents the depth of her pain and the depth of her helplessness. She had a tremendous burden for her people. Oh, that we would have that kind of burden for those who are lost in sin, that we would have that kind of burden in our heart for those who are lost in addiction, those who are hung up and caught in sin and and struggling in the world, that we too would have that kind of heart, the heart I see in Esther, to those that have been condemned because of their sin. Oh, that we would have that kind of a heart. Esther approaches the king and she finds favor. Let's look at four and six. And the king held out the golden scepter toward Esther. So Esther arose and stood before the king and said, If it pleases the king, if I have found favor in your sight, in his sight, and the things seem right to the king and I am pleasing to the eyes, let it be written to revoke letters devised by Haman, the son of Hamanatha, the Agahite, which he wrote in an to annihilate the Jews who are in the king's providences. She couldn't just go to the king and ask him. She had to butter him up first. She had to say all these glorious kings. Kings were peculiar. Kings were strange. You couldn't just blurt out what you wanted. You had to kind of circumvent them. We see this all through the scriptures, all through the scriptures. My favorite one is all those mealy mouth guys in Daniel who would go to the king, oh, king, live forever. But Daniel's a rat. You got to kill him. You know what I mean? That's, I, that, that, I love that. I love that. But you just can't go to a king. You can't do that. You just can't come. However, however, I hope you know where I'm going with this. We can go to our king. We can come boldly to that throne. And we can seek and ask and find grace and mercy in our time of trouble. And that's a terrible paraphrase of Hebrews 4.16. But we can go to our king. We don't have to do all these crazy things. We can go to him, and he hears our cries. This is all she could do. This was all she could do, but it proves to be enough. Once again, Esther is accepted by the king, and she's invited to speak to him. He holds out the scepter, and Esther sees it, which means he she can come forward. She knows that he can't revoke the letters. He can't revoke this decree. She knows that. But she gives it the good old college try anyhow. She knows that he can't revoke it. She tells the king that the destruction of her people would be more than she could endure. She's interceding for her people. She's risking her life now for her people in front of the king. Once again, as I studied and looked at this, Esther exhibits the heart of Moses and she exhibits the heart of the apostle Paul. Both of these men. In Exodus 32, 32 exactly, Moses interceded for the Jews. God was going to destroy them. God was going to wipe them out and start over with Moses. But Moses came before God and said, let my name be blotted out. Don't take it out on them. Let my name be blotted out. When Paul was writing his beautiful book in Romans, in chapter nine and verse three, he said that he was willing to be accursed from Christ if it meant his people, the Jews, would come to knowledge of Jesus. Wow. And the list goes on, folks. Elijah prayed for disobedient Israel on Mount Carmel. Nehemiah interceded for the nation in Jerusalem. Likewise, Ezra wept and prayed that God would help the sinful nation. Daniel humbled himself and prayed that night that he could understand God's plan for the future for the Israelites. Beautiful examples of intercession. Beautiful examples. Let me ask the question, what would you do? What would you give up for someone to come to the Lord? Think about that. What would you give up for maybe one of your children to come to the Lord? Maybe your spouse, maybe some friends. What would you give up? These guys were willing to give up their salvation that others might be saved. That's a true heart. That's a wonderful heart. The king, loving his wife the way he did, hears his wife, knows what he wants to say, and he tells Mordecai to write a new decree. Concerning the Jews, look at 7 through 9. Then King Ahasuerus said to Queen Esther and Mordecai, the Jew, Indeed, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and they have hanged him on the gallows because he tried to lay his hands on the Jews. You yourselves write a decree concerning the Jews, as you please, in the king's name, and seal it with the king's signet ring, for whatever is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's signet ring, no one can revoke. So the king's scribes were called at the time in the third. Third month, which is the month of Sivan, on the twenty third day, and it was written according to all that Mordecai commanded to the Jews, the satraps, the governors, and the princes of the provinces from India to Ethiopia, one hundred and twenty seven provinces in all, to every province in his own script, to every people in their own language, and to the Jews in their own script and language. Beautiful. It was true. The king had been gracious with Haman's possessions. But that didn't solve the problem. That didn't solve the problem for what was going to happen to the Jews. The king goes on to tell Esther and Mordecai that they can draw up whatever kind of document they want that would deal with the problem. He's given them carte blanche. They can write up any type of uh, 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 decree that would deal with it. Remember, Mordecai has the king's ring. He can stamp it and seal any document which would go with the weight of the king. He could do that. The king goes on to tell Esther to do that. You can draw up whatever you want and deal with this problem. Meaning that they had all the resources of the kingdom behind them to do what they needed to do. But the original decree could not be reversed. Mordecai didn't waste any time. He immediately calls the scribes and begins drafting up a new document that can be translated in all sorts of languages all over the kingdom. A new decree must be written. Let's look at 10 through 12. And he wrote in the name of King Ahasuerus, sealed it with the king's signet ring, and sent letters by couriers on horseback riding on royal horses bred from swift steeds. By these letters, the king permitted the Jews who were in every city to gather together and protect their lives, to destroy, kill, and annihilate the forces of people or providence that would assault them, both little children and women, and to plunder their possessions." on one day in all the providence of King Ahasuerus on the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month of Adar. Wow. So a new decree is written. A new decree is written. It gives the Jews the power to defend themselves. This is what's happening. Now they have the power to defend themselves. When these groups come against them, they can go against them, and they have the power to defend themselves. And then if they succeed, which they do, they can keep all the possessions. All the spoils of war can go to them. The old decree was not abolished. It was still in effect. But the victims were provided a way out. Let me read that again. The old decree was not abolished, but the victims were provided a way out. Does this sound familiar to anybody? I hope it does. I hope it does. A wonderful, wonderful example of salvation. A wonderful example of salvation. God has sent out a decree that stands as firm as the law of the Medes and the Persians. Maybe even more so because it's his very word. In Ezekiel 18, 4, it says, Behold, all souls are mine. The souls of the Father as well. The soul of the Son is mine. The soul who sins shall die. We know in Romans the wages of sin is death. We know in Romans that it says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Therefore, any man who sin is now guilty before the law, and they must die because of their sin. That is the decree. That is the decree that went out. It can't be changed. It won't be changed. It's called the law. It's called the law. But God sent a Savior. God sent a Savior, Jesus Christ. And when I, when I read that and I wrote that, it took me to one of our, again, favorite passages. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of obedience, disobedience among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. But God who is rich in mercy because his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness to us in Christ Jesus for grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Hallelujah is right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah is right. Mordecai and Esther had to come up with a new decree. God saw that the law wasn't working. He knew the law wouldn't work, but the law became a tutor. It showed us our sin. I didn't know what sin was until the law came into effect, but the law showed me I was sin. So the Lord issued a new decree, but not Unlike the first, we were reconciled to God through this. It became a new covenant in the blood of Jesus Christ because of what Christ did on the cross. The cross becomes a symbol of our new covenant. What he did on that cross now doesn't cancel out the law because we know he fulfilled the law, but it appeases the law. It was the propitiation of the law. He was the propitiation for us. He hung on that cross in my place, in your place, and died a death That we should have died because that's what the law said. That was the original decree. We should have died. But I'm alive. Now in Christ, I live. He is the hope of glory that dwells within me. And I live in him now. Because God had a better plan. God knew all along man couldn't uphold the law. It was God's plan all along to send Jesus Christ to earth. It was his plan all along. And that's what he did. And Christ fulfilled every part of the law, so he becomes the perfect sacrifice for us, the very perfect sacrifice to hang on that cross and die on a tree. Cursed is every man who lives, dies on a tree, who is hung from a tree, excuse me. The new covenant didn't cancel out the old covenant because Christ fulfilled the old covenant, and he appeased God by his death on the cross. God made a way to escape the penalty of death through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. God made a way for you and me through the cross of Jesus Christ. Do you see this, the similarity here? You see the similarity. But like any good teacher, the Lord didn't simply tell us what we needed to do. He told us how to do it. Acts 16, 31, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Romans 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You, this new decree that is going out is urgent news. So they saddled up everything they could and they went around and they gave the message out. It meant salvation to all that would hear this good news. All that would hear this good news that was coming out to them that they would be saved if they did what the new decree said. It was salvation. So they start spreading the news. How to say it? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, yes, yes. Look at 13 through 15. A copy of the document was to be issued as a decree in every province and published for all the people so that the Jews would be ready on that day to avenge themselves on their enemies. The couriers who rode on royal horses went out, hastened and pressed by the king's command, and the decree was issued in Shushan, a citadel. So Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal a power of blue and white with great crown and a golden garment of fine linen and purple, and the city of Shushan rejoiced And was glad don't you love it when the good guys win i do i love it when the good guys win we're winners we win the good news goes out and all who hear it now have a chance to be saved the good news goes out the good news the gospel goes out all the time and all who hear it have a chance to be saved all who hear it have a chance to come to the lord through jesus christ Little Mordecai, little, little old Mordecai who wouldn't bow down to Haman goes out in a palace, from the palace clothed in the garment of the king. He, he must look royal sitting up on top of that steed and I bet he was high stepping too. And the whole city rejoiced. The whole city started to rejoicing because they were glad when you decide to quit compromising with the world and accept the good news of Jesus Christ, the Lord and our Savior, we too come to the palace of the king clothed in robes of white and righteousness. We'll be clothed in those beautiful robes when a time comes, a royal righteousness. And we too come with rejoicing and joy inexpressible. I love that. I love that. See, you thought this was just an old Sossaman story, but we're not done yet. We read in Revelation that around the throne, 24 elders thrones, on their thrones, I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes and they had crowns of gold on their head. After these things I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples and tongues standing before the throne before the lamb clothed in white robes and palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice salvation belongs to our guide who sits on the throne and to the lamb. Now I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he who sat on it was called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself and he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name was called the word of God and the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean followed him him on white horses. There's joy in the kingdom tonight. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the kingdom. Because once again, God interceded. And God did a wonderful thing and saved his people from annihilation. And he used two of the most unlikely people to accomplish this. Two of the most unlikely people. Look at verses 16 and 17, and we'll finish out. The Jews had light and gladness, joy and honor. I love that. The Jews had light and gladness, joy and honor. And in every providence and city, wherever the king's command and decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness, a feast and a holiday. Then many of the people of the land became Jews because fear of the Jews fell upon them. I loved it. I loved that. Getting right with the Lord always brings joy to your heart. Getting right with the Lord always gives you a sense of peace, a sense of comfort. A sense of joy that's deep within your heart. makes you well up because now you're right with God. And you're called his child. The light here is Jesus Christ. The light in the man. He was the light of men. The illumination was God who saved their lives. It was a testimony of the sovereignty of God that many converted to Judaism. Many of them saw what was happening in the Jews' life. Many of them saw the decree, knew the first decree, saw the second decree, and many came to the Lord. Many converted to Judaism. Many got back to God. They saw God working on behalf of these simple people, and they wanted a relationship with God. They wanted a relationship with God. When Matthew was recording the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, he says the verse that fits this. I believe it's verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That's what's happening here. They were seeing the good works of people. They were seeing the good works. Now remember, God's not even mentioned here. But see all the allusions to God. See all the things that we're bringing towards God. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. Jesus gives the Christian both a great compliment and a great responsibility when he says that, that you're light of the world, because he claimed that title for himself as he walked the earth. He said, I'm the light of the world, the light that has come into the world. And then he looks at the Christians and says, you're the light of the world. Go take the light and shine it in the midst of darkness. Go take the light wherever you go and take me with you wherever you go through the Holy Spirit and shine the light. Shine my light into the eyes of those who are looking and the eyes of those who are in sin and the eyes of those who are struggling with their lives. Shine that light. Light of the world means that we're not only light receivers, but we're light givers. We receive the light of Jesus Christ and you now are the light of the world. A greater concern than only ourselves. There's a greater concern here than only ourselves. And we've been talking about this for quite some time. There's a greater concern here than only just us. We cannot live only by ourselves. We must have someone to shine the light to. We must have someone to shine the light to and do so so lovingly, so generously because of what God has done for us. Remember what God has done for you. Remember all the things that God has done for you. If that doesn't want to make you want to shine that light into someone else's life, then I don't know what will. We've been called to shine that light. Shine your light before men. The purpose of the light is to illuminate and expose what is there. When we come into someone's life, we illuminate what? Their sin. They will, we illuminate their sin, and then Jesus follows. Yes. We illuminate their sin, and they see Jesus, and they know that there's an answer, there's an escape. There's an escape to the decree that God had made that all would die because of sin. A new decree came. His name is Jesus Christ, and He can take away that decree and oversee that decree. The light is exposed. You're the light. Don't hide under the bed. Don't put a cover over your head. Don't walk around all covered up. Expose the light of Jesus Christ. Let your light so shine. Wherever you may go, let your light so shine. Wherever you may go. Don't put it in a basket and hide it. It's not useful under there. Because of the actions of two people, Queen Esther and Mordecai, many people came to know the Lord. Many people came. And I love that way this that chapter ends, that many people came to know the Lord. It reminds me of Acts 2 when the early church formed. And they went from house to house, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in the breaking of bread, and in prayer and fellowship. And it says, and the Lord added to the church daily those who would be saved. That's what we do. That's what we try to do here at Calvary Chapel. The apostles' doctrine is the word of God. We teach the word of God. We give you ample time for prayer. We give you ample time for fellowship. We give you ample time for breaking of the bread, whether it be at a meal or whether it be communion. Break the bread together. There's unity in family. Let your light so shine that men might see your good works and glorify their Father who's in heaven. Amen?
0: When you read the story of Esther... All of it seems to happen rather quickly. Ten short chapters tell the whole story, but when you slow down and do a closer reading, you'll find that over a decade passed between the time Esther was chosen queen and the rest of the story. Years and years before the crisis, God moved Esther into exactly the place He needed her to be in order to save His people. This gives the whole story a much larger perspective when you consider Mordecai's words, and who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Have you been in the same place for many years without a clue as to why you're there? Don't forget that God moves His people into position so that they're there and ready right when He wants them. Don't get discouraged in the waiting. He knows you're there, and He knows why. You've been listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank. As Pastor Dave works his way through the book of Esther, we're learning more and more about God's plans and purposes through history and through your life today. A Sure Hope comes to us from Calvary Chapel, Cape May, in Cape May, New Jersey, to learn more about the church, including service times and location, head on over to assurehoperadio.com. Once again, that website is assurehoperadio.com. While you're there, check out the links to our live stream on Facebook and YouTube, as well as our archive of messages for today's Christ follower. Thanks for being here today. We'll see you back here again next time on A sure Hope.